Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, it's the traits of highly miserable people. And I hope everyone in the building is smiling behind the masks. But people are highly miserable, sad to say, and even Christians are highly miserable. Why is that? Well, we've looked at some already. They worry constantly. They complain constantly. They make themselves the center of the universe. They make poor relationship choices. And then last week we looked at they have a constant poor self-image. They don't know who they are. And today we're going to look at why we are. We looked at who we are last week, but today we're going to look at why we are, because people have no reason, no meaning, and no purpose for living. Douglas Coupland is a Canadian artist and novelist, and he said this in his book, Player One, What is to Become of Us? And he's speaking about hopelessness here, the fact that people have got no reason for living. He says, you keep waiting for the moral of your life to become obvious, but it never does. Work, work, work. No moral, no plot, no eureka, just production schedules and days. You might as well be living inside a photocopier. Your lives are all they're ever going to be. What an encouraging message that is. Man, you might as well live inside a photocopier. But that's what people feel because they don't have meaning. And despite having wealth, despite having possessions, living comfortably, you need meaning and purpose in your life. You remember Solomon had all that. He had wealth, he had wisdom, he had women, a thousand women. And you'd think with all those things, his life would be satisfied, but he needed meaning. And in the end, Solomon writes an entire book, Ecclesiastes, about how miserable he actually is. And so today, reading from Ecclesiastes, I'll give you the title in a moment. He says, there was a man all alone speaking about himself. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Thank God there have been people who were miserable before us, so we can learn from their misery and not have misery ourselves. Now you have occasional misery, but we're not gonna be highly miserable people. And today I wanna speak to you in part six about why people are highly miserable is this, they continually lose sight of purpose. They lose sight of purpose, and if you like, meaning. There's no meaning, there's no purpose to their lives. And Viktor Frankl made this statement, you know, he was in a concentration camp for many years. He said, man can endure almost any suffering if he can see a purpose or meaning in it. Conversely, he will be miserable even amidst great luxury if he cannot relate his life to some larger context which makes it meaningful. We desperately need meaning in our lives. Isn't that true? A sense of purpose. And when you have that, you can overcome a lot of misery. And God has given every, perp- every man, every woman in the world a purpose. The key is to discover what it is and to live it out. And there's a general purpose. There's also a specific purpose. In Acts chapter 13, Paul was in Antioch, and he made this declaration as he spoke. He says, now when David had served God's purpose, In his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors. 
If you are alive today, you have a purpose. And we sang it earlier, I'm not dead and you're not done. And so God has a purpose for everyone. And many people don't know who they are. They don't know why they are. And as a result, there's no meaning in their lives. They have no identity. Even Christians, they feel I'm saved, but I'm saved for what? What now? And they drift through life grasping at straws. But we've got to understand our purpose. And to some degree, if you're at home today, because church is online and you're locked away and we're in a lockdown situation, some of our purpose is lost because the church, we know it's not the building, but we are meant to express our purpose through glorifying God, through worship, through witness, and you can't do that when you're online. And so when church resumes as normal, we all need to come back as best we can and declare that because it's part of our purpose. The building isn't our purpose, but you can lose your meaning if you don't come into services and it can be a challenge. So I wanna look today at just three things about purpose here because we have a purpose in God. And, and before I get there, I want to look at three purposes, uh, uh, sorry, three things about purpose. Then I'm going to look at six reasons why we lose our purpose. And then I'm going to quickly give you the things that the seven purposes that God has for us so that we can understand why we are, what's going on in our lives, and how to live so that we're not highly miserable people. And we'll do that in the time allotted, God willing. Amen. So lean in online, make some notes. And in the building today, so good to talk to people. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9, as we introduce these three topics here uh, concerning purpose, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's us. God's special possession. Now he gives us the reason why. That you may purpose, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Can you see, you can't just be without expression. Because there's a purpose, you do something. And uh, that's the purpose of the church. So three things here about purpose. Number one, nothing makes sense without purpose. Your life will not make sense without purpose. Have you ever looked at an object uh, in the kitchen, especially men, women would recognize the object immediately. But on stage here with me, I have a little object here. Most men would not have a clue what this is. Maybe the ladies do. But how many of you know it's got no meaning until you know the purpose? If you were to open the drawer in our house, you would, you'd find these, you'd think, what the heck is that? Because you don't know the purpose. As Soon as the purpose is made known, the thing takes on meaning, isn't that true? And by the way, this is for poaching eggs. You put it in the pan, you crack the egg through the hole, then you pour some water in here and the water drains in onto the egg and it's nonstick and it cooks and then you lift it out, perfectly made poached egg. You see, purpose makes sense. And when you don't understand purpose, I have this little thing here, it looks like a spoon with holes in. Why would you have a spoon with holes? The ladies know, but you put an egg in here. See, it's again an egg. And you shake it, and guess what happens? The white comes out and the yellow stays behind. Suddenly it takes on meaning when you understand purpose. Am I making sense today? And our lives do not make sense unless we understand the purpose for which we were made. Number two, nothing feels worthwhile or rewarding when you don't have purpose. That's one of the things people struggle with today. Life is unrewarding and there's no joy and satisfaction despite wealth. And here's a problem. People think pleasure will bring meaning and purpose and it doesn't and people chase it 
and we, uh, they want to get their share of pleasure and, and, and every day becomes an obsession. Every weekend they're looking for pleasure and if you're chasing pleasure because you're looking for meaning, guess what? Even when you go to work, there will be no sense of meaning. And they say pleasure, the definition of pleasure is this, it's the desire to be stimulated all the time for enjoyment. The desire to be stimulated all the time for enjoyment. That's not the purpose of life. If you think you're meant to be stimulated for, for, for enjoyment all the time, guess what? When you go to work, you'll be frustrated. And I love what uh, Alexander Den Heijer said. He's a Dutch speaker and author. He said, it's not hard work that exhausts us most. It's meaningless work that exhausts us most. You get tired, not from work, but from meaningless work. And if you're chasing pleasure, things don't make sense. And like Solomon, something is still missing. The great Seneca said, if we don't know what port we are steering for, no wind is favorable. So nothing you buy, nothing you own, nowhere you go is meaningful if there's no meaning in your life and there's no satisfaction. The third thing here is we suffer damage when we don't have a purpose. You see, when you don't know your purpose in life, you don't know God's purpose, you will ultimately be damaged physically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically. And we think we can, we can live according to our own purpose, but we always end up damaged. How many of you have noticed that if you buy a product, it always comes with a manual? If you're a man, you tend not to read it because you know how things work. And trouble cometh exceedingly quicketh. Isn't that true? But a manual for life teaches you what the purpose of something is, not what you think it is by looking at it. Now, I've said this for many years, but this is a beautiful dishing up spoon from our home. It was, its purpose was when manufactured to be kept hygienic and clean and used for serving large portions of food, stew or lasagna or curry or whatever it is you eat. This is meant for that. But do you notice it looks like a spade? So if you don't know its purpose, you could think it's good for digging in the garden. And in fact, because of its shape, you probably could dig in the garden. But it's not meant for that. And ultimately, it will be damaged and tarnished and not good enough for its original purpose. And what we do is we look at human beings, we look at their sexuality, we look at their makeup, and it looks as if but damage occurs. And then we try and use psychology and medical means to obviate the damage. No, we must know the original purpose because then there's no damage. And the only way is with the owner's manual. Can you say amen? And the devil's clever because he, he will keep questioning. Did God really say, is that the only thing? Aren't we a bit narrow? Go back to the manual. Now, I want to give you some reasons today, six reasons why we lose sight of purpose, because then we can analyze ourselves, those closest to us, and help them. Why is it that we lose sight of purpose and become miserable? Number one reason, and we're going through it right now, suffering and hardship. It can cause you to lose sight of purpose because you can't make sense of it. Why is God allowing this? If life is about pleasure, how can we be going through such a long season of pain and hardship and suffering? And, and then you start to doubt whether there's any reason for living. We're just random, you know. We, we're, just, we're just people that, that, that evolved. And, and so there's a sense that suffering and hardship can make you lose sight of your purpose. Uh, hardship without purpose weakens us. 
Hardship with purpose strengthens us. Have you ever thought about that? So when you have hardship with purpose, you become stronger. But when you have hardship without and suffering without, then you start to become weak and you start to become discouraged. Alexander Den Heyer, who's written a lot about suffering and so on, he, he's a Dutchman and uh, he is an author. And I love what he says. He says, the reason many people suffer is not that life is too tough. It's that they haven't found something worth living for. A fulfilling life is not a life that's without suffering. A fulfilling life is a life worth the suffering. You see, we, we, we make an issue out of the suffering, but when you've got a purpose in the suffering, then suddenly you understand why you're alive and you understand that eternity is more important than the present and that there was a fall and that there's sin in the world. And so when you understand that and you understand your purpose is to redeem people before eternity, suddenly suffering and hardship are not impossible. And uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, the German philosopher, says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. So you can lose sight of purpose if you, if you face suffering and hardship. Number two, self-satisfaction can cause you to lose sight of purpose. David sinned with Bathsheba and lost sight of his purpose when he focused on pleasure and he was self-satisfied, happy with his kingdom, enjoying wealth and blessing. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of God's purpose. Listen, when you're too comfortable, when you live a middle-class life, when you've got two cars in the garage, maybe a boat, a holiday house, all the wonderful trimmings, a home theater, the, the excellent things that we all enjoy, nice phone, nice clothing, be careful you don't lose sight of why you're on the planet. You're not here for that reason primarily. You have a purpose. And Ecclesiastes chapter two, Solomon writing here, he says, I said to myself, that's his first mistake, Talking to yourself is a bad idea. I said to myself, come now, let's give pleasure a try. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. It is silly to be laughing all the time, comedy central. I said, what good does it do to seek only pleasure? And then to verse 17, so now I hate life because everything done here under the sun is so irrational, everything is meaningless like chasing the wind. So you get so satisfied and you've got so much, but guess what, it's not enough. How many famous people haven't committed suicide, why? Because their lives were focused on pleasure, on drugs, on drinking, and guess what, it wasn't enough to satisfy them. Now remember this, Jesus knew his purpose and he wasn't satisfied until he fulfilled it. In Mark chapter one and verse 38, and can I just remind you, Jesus' purpose wasn't social justice. He didn't come to be kind to the poor only. His main objective was to redeem people to the Father through the forgiveness of sins. Let's not lose the sight of the primary purpose of Jesus. And he says here to the disciples, uh, but he said to them, let's go into the next town that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Does that make sense? You see, his purpose was to preach and reach people with the saving knowledge that, that the Son of God, the Messiah, had come and died for sins and that the Father was longing for a relationship. And many people don't understand Jesus' purpose. We need to understand his purpose, but also our own. Number three, the third reason why we lose sight of purpose, and this is probably the one I've spoken on a lot over the last year, the current atheistic narrative. The current atheistic narrative is that life is meaningless, there is no God, we all evolved, and we don't need religion and church. And as a result, people don't know who they are, they don't know why they are, 
and we've replaced everything with socialism as an ideal, politics as the answer to all the ills of the world, and we think activism will deal with sin, activism will deal with poverty, it will deal with the environment, and it will solve every challenge we face, we don't need God. And guess what? The further we promote that, the further away we go from purpose in our lives. Uh, and the Bible's become irrelevant and people have a sense of meaningless. Now, if you go back to the guys who have studied this and talked about this, and I don't quote them often, but they've said some things that reveal reality. Carl Jung said this. He said, the vast neurotic misery of the world could be termed a neurosis of emptiness. Men cut themselves off from the root of their being, from God, and then life turns empty, inane, meaningless, without purpose. So when God goes, gold goes. When gold goes, meaning goes. When meaning goes, value goes, and life turns dead on our hands. Gosh, you see, we don't have meaning and purpose because of the constant atheistic narrative that is being proclaimed on our screens, in our movies, on social media. It's not surprising people are suicidal and they feel a sense of emptiness and despair. And guess what? We come to church to hear about God. And that's why when we come to church, we preach the Bible. Why? So that we can give meaning to our existence. And my job as a preacher is not just to pep you up with the Word of God, but to expound the Bible so that it can give you meaning for your day-to-day -day life in work, in business, and in your home and marriage. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8, let me remind you of this. It says here, when they restored the city of Jerusalem, they read from the book of the law of God, watch this, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. My job to preach to you online and to you in the building is to bring meaning from the Bible so that you don't have an empty life and aren't overwhelmed by a narrative that is atheistic and ungodly. It doesn't help us, it damages us. Number four, here's a most important one for parents. This is the reason why we lose sight of purpose. It's not, we've not passed on purpose to the next generation. Do your kids know why they're alive? Do they think it's Xbox or iPhone? Do they think it's video games, pleasure, drugs, parties, drinking, sex? Do they think it's going away and having a good time down at the coast every holiday? Nothing wrong with having a good time, but there's a sense where they pursue that to the exclusion of everything else because you haven't passed on purpose to them. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 26, talking about the Passover, the Lord says through Moses, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. You passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Isn't that what we talked talk about today? The Lord passed over. It's the lamb over us. And we need to teach our children about the gospel, teach them about Jesus. And if the meaning is explained from one generation to the other, the next generations will have meaning in their lives because we've clearly passed it on. Church is not about the latest music, skinny jeans, being cool, short little messages and video clips. It's about expounding the riches of the Bible, the knowledge of God. And I know I sound like an old man, but it's the only way. Listen, think about the Jews. Why have the Jews survived and not been exterminated when no race in the world has been persecuted like them? 
It's because they pass on to their children why they do what they do and they expound the meaning. And we must have that ability to do that with our children in our homes, pass on the Bible. Number five, the fifth reason why I believe side of purpose is this helping you today. They say so in the building, but I hope it's helping you online. Number five, living in survival mode. Most people are just getting by, surviving, and they don't know why they're alive. If they can pay the bills, put food in their mouths, that's all they think about, and there's no joy, there's no meaning, there's no satisfaction, and that's why they are highly miserable. Poverty doesn't make you miserable. A lack of meaning and purpose makes you miserable. And people who are often poor, who have meaning and purpose, they with joy lift themselves and work their way out of poverty because meaning drives you and gives you a reason for living. The Russian novelist Fyodor Dostoevsky said this, he said, the mystery of human existence lies not just in staying alive, but in finding something to live for. And if you're just trying to get by, you will have lost sight of purpose, you just, it's daily struggle of paying bills. That's not the reason for living. Number six, and I need to move quickly here. Number six, the sixth reason why we lose sight of purpose, and here is where a lot of people struggle, is trying to find meaning in things and image. The world is obsessed with material trappings and image. Now, having said that, God wants to prosper the Christian, and we need to groom ourselves, and there's that side. But the obsession with it to the exclusion we want to buy clothing and cars and her homes and, 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 and all sorts of things and get online and promote ourselves because we are lacking something inside because we don't know why we are here. We think we're here to project ourselves and that leaves us empty. People chase fame and recognition and adulation and it leaves them empty. Uh, there's a great book if you get a chance to read it by Sunday Adelaja. He was a pastor in Kiev, written over 50 books. And he wrote a book called, Who Am I and Why Am I Here? And he quotes a story of the billionaire Henry Ford, who when he traveled around, interestingly, he was a billionaire, he stayed in cheap hotels and he wore old clothing. He recycled his clothes year after year. You know, he looked after it but didn't care about his image. He, he was more concerned with purpose. And one day when he arrived in England, he was interviewed by a journalist who said, your son stays in the finest hotels and your son's always got the latest clothing. How come you don't? And he relates in his book what Henry Ford said. And he said, I have no need to stay in a luxury hotel. When, wherever I stay, I am still Henry Ford. Even in the cheapest inn, I'm still Henry Ford. As to this coat, yes, my dad used to wear it, but it does not matter. I'm still Henry Ford, whatever I am dressed in. I made my name and I know my value. I'm Henry Ford, always and everywhere. All the other things do not really matter. I've made a name for myself and I know my value. Then Sunday Adelaide says, Henry Ford believed the truth about himself, the truth that people are created to solve problems and overcome the limitations of their nature. You see, once you discover why you're alive, it's great to wear nice clothes and enjoy nice things. We're not anti that, but it no longer becomes your obsession. And when it becomes your obsession, guess what? You lose sight of purpose. And we have purposeless people drifting through the world not knowing who they are or why they are, and no matter their wealth, they are highly miserable. So let's look today 
at a sense of purpose. Do you know why God made you? Do you know why you're on the planet? Let's look at the seven main purposes of our lives. And this will go quickly today. And if you can memorize these as a Christian, it will help you immensely. Are you ready? They're ready in the room. Are you ready online at home? Number one, our number one purpose in life why God created us is to glorify God. To glorify God, not to glorify yourself. So when you're obsessed with things and image, you're trying to glorify yourself. No, number one, you glorify God first and you make him great. And Satan's goal is to get you to glorify yourself because that's what he did. He glorified himself and he usurped God's authority. In Luke chapter 11 and verse two, Jesus told them this. Remember in the Lord's prayer, he said, pray in this way, Father, help us to honor your name. The first thing in the Lord's prayer is we need to wake up and realize every day God has a purpose and before I do anything, I need to glorify him and make him great. And the road downhill into darkness and into meaninglessness is to glorify yourself and to stop glorifying God. Let me remind you from Romans 1 and verse 21. It says you are people, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And watch, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, what people are doing today is they're not acknowledging God. They're trying to be like God. Talk about missing your purpose. So you as a believer, you as a leader, need to glorify God and make him great, not make yourself great. The reason for ministry is to glorify God and his word, not grant a stage for yourself for book sales and speaking opportunities. That's where pastors go off track. And if you want to know why that happens, it's very simple. They've lost sight of primary purpose. Number two, the second purpose God made us is to bring pleasure to God. I mean, you know, if you, if you have things around you, especially pets, you have them to give you pleasure. If the dog or cat doesn't give you pleasure, you pass it on. You donate it to a friend. I've got a gift for you. Because the goal is to bring pleasure. And God created us that we might relate to him and give him pleasure. Isn't that true? In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, For you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. When God made us, he made us for pleasure, to glorify him, but also to bring pleasure to him. When he looks at us, he wants to delight in us. That's why when we sin and we disobey him, he doesn't delight in us. Like children who disobey you and are rebellious, they, you, don't, you don't delight in them. You're glad when they grow up and leave home. Isn't that true? And we need to realize that God created us to bring him pleasure. I read something fascinating the other day as I was doing some study about who we are as human beings. And you know, in the Bible, the first man is called Adam. Adam. And the Hebrew is comprised of three letters. Aleph, Dalet, Mem, and you read it from right, to, from right to left. You don't read it from left to right like we normally do. Aleph, Dalet, Mem. And you'll notice here that the, word, the, the letter Aleph is God, the letter for the name of God. And Dalet, Mem means this, in blood. So what is a human being? It is God in blood. 
That's what we are. We are not, a dog is not God in blood. Neither is any other animal, but a person is God in blood. Why? Because God made us in his image so that we might bring him pleasure. Very distinctive, very unique, and when you understand that, you understand your own value. Number three, to be in God's family. You were, your purpose on being on the planet is that you might glorify God, bring him pleasure, but then you might be in his family. The, you're in the human family, and, and you know, people say, we're all children of God. No, you're not. You're in the f- human family, but he wants you to be in his church, his spiritual family. You're born once, but then you're born again. And everyone is meant to be in the church in God's family. There are two births, and the family of God is the place for us to grow spiritually and for God to use us. The church has a purpose. It's not a time waster, and it's not just there to give you an injection. It's there to teach you how to live as a Christian, as a member of God's family. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, it says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. So the purpose of God, glorify God, bring him pleasure, to be in God's family. Now the church family takes us further into purpose. Are you all still with me today? Number four, the fourth purpose for you on the earth is to become like Christ. You were born again to be in God's family, to become like Christ. Ray Stedman is a well-known preacher and author, and he said true Christianity is to manifest genuinely Christ-like behavior by dependence on the working of the Spirit of God within. To manifest genuinely Christ-like behavior by the working of the Spirit within. We are on the earth to become like Christ. In Romans chapter 8, Paul adds to it, and we read here, he says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Can you see that the church plays a role in moral shaping? That's what church is about. You come to church, you sit under the word, why? So that you can become more like Christ. And to become more like Christ doesn't mean to be just be a goody-goody, but it means to live out Christ's values, to be part of your, your mission in the earth, and so we need to become more like Christ. And that's why the Bible is training in righteousness week after week. I don't know if people can say, I can live without church. No. And can I say, don't just look for messages that give you the boost. You can. God can. God's on your side. Your breakthrough is coming. All the same thread and theme. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to give you chocolate. Chocolate so that you can get a blood rush. A spiritual blood rush. You, oh, I need that. Give me another one. No. We're meant to be trained in righteousness trained to be more like Jesus, not to just feel good. And we're losing sight of the purpose of the church. Now, we do want messages that encourage us and give us a pep up, but you can't live off chocolate. You need to live off moral shaping. And, uh, and so the scriptures teach us that. Are you all with me today? Thank you for your response in the room. It does help. Are you glad you came in? Mask and all, danger and all, we press on. Well, number five, the fifth purpose that God has for us is to do good works. So we're not just insular in our belief system, but it has expression. 
The church making us like Christ is moral shaping, but here we are mobilized, if you like, to use another M, to help mankind, and guess where you help mankind? You first start in the church. Good works start in the church with, with believers, as the book of Galatians says, and then it goes to all men, and you learn to serve here, express your gifts, and to be used by God and to be mobilized, not to earn your salvation with good works, but as an expression of your salvation. And good works are essential because what we're supposed to do, let me remind everybody, both online and in the room, we are meant to bring order out of chaos. Good works are not just trying to be goody. Look, look how good I am. I'm helping the planet. No, you bring order out of chaos. That's the Genesis mandate. It hasn't changed. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. In other words, bring order out of chaos. That's why there is so much filth and dirt, and, 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 and when you drive around our cities, there's papers and dirt everywhere. It's not just that the infrastructure and, and the government isn't working, it's that people have lost sight of purpose. When you know your purpose is to bring order out of chaos, you don't throw things out the window. You don't just chuck a Kentucky chicken box out into the street or throw beer bottles down. You realize there's a disposable place for it. You see, godly purpose leads to recycling, not self-righteousness. And I'm going to talk about the difference between the righteousness of the world and the righteousness of God in the coming weeks ahead. And what we need is an understanding of this purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, watch this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And you have a gift and an ability, God thought about it in advance, and that's your purpose on the earth. And what you've got to discover is what Rick Warren calls your shape. Look on the screen with me today at home and here in the building, shape. Shape stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart. A stands for abilities. P stands for your personality, and E stands for your experiences, and when you understand a combination of them, you know who you are and what you're meant to do on the planet, in work and in the church. And, and I want to just say this, we've got a world where everybody's trying to be made equal through socialism. We are not equal, we don't have equal gifts. In the parable of the talents, one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. But they each still have a purpose and a shape but they're not identical. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he took three up the mountain. We can't try and equalize everything because people are not equal. So don't resent very intelligent or very wealthy or very successful people or doctors or lawyers. Look at what they drive. Stop doing that. God has given them their shape. The goal is not to resent each other, but to live out and to do good works on the planet. Can you say amen? I love Romans 9, 20. It says here, Paul speaking, shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? See, God has made you in a certain way and you need to be used in a certain way, but recognize your shape. How many of you have seen a big pen? We've got them in the seats at church, the cheapy, because people take them home and so we don't put the expensive ones there. It does a, and does the big pen write? It does. But then you also get another kind of pen, a Mont Blanc. Is it not also a pen? Does it not also write? Hmm? And the most rudimentary of us will say, oh, don't waste money on pens. Or, 
You know, some pens are designed for noble purposes. When you sign world-changing contracts, when world leaders meet together, they don't look for the big. They get out the Mont Blanc. And God has designed some to be Mont Blanc and some to be big. The problem is the big complain about the Mont Blanc. And they must stop doing it. They must just fulfill their purpose and recognize their shape. Amen? You'll be happier and you'll be less miserable. Number six, our sixth purpose, and you didn't think I'd get through it. I know those in the room thought he will never get through it, but he has got through it because my intention today is to equip you, not to leave you hanging. Number six, our sixth purpose is to reach the lost. And you know what people say? Don't talk about religion at work. Keep it to yourself. No, it's my purpose. I was made for this purpose, Jesus said. That's why I'm going to preach to other cities also. For this purpose, I was born, and we are born to reach the lost. It is the third purpose of the church. The church morally shapes us, mobilizes us to good works, and then inspires us and trains us to reach the lost. And that's what we must be doing. It is our mission. And so moral shaping, mobilizing, and mission, that's why we're in God's family. Does that make sense today? And we need to recognize that that's what we have to do. Think of the river's vision, worshiping, reaching, connecting, and involving or, or being, volunteering. Sorry, we changed the word, volunteering. So worship, reaching, connecting, volunteering. Worshiping is to glorify God. But guess what? second? The mission of reaching the lost. We didn't make it last, why? Because we lose sight of it. So we glorify God, we reach the lost, we volunteer, which is good works, and then we connect together. Why? Because we're the family of God. Can you see our mission statement embraces the purposes of God? It's not just some clever, oh, Rivers has got a cool statement. No, it's the purposes of God to focus us for the glory of God. And so we're meant to reach the lost. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. That's how God is glorified. It's when you tell them, the good news that Jesus Christ, the Savior, brings them to the Father. And number seven, as we wrap up here today, the seventh purpose of God, which will help you not be miserable during COVID in the world today, is to spend eternity with God. You know, when you realize you're not made for this world, it gives you hope. Even if you're very ill and you've got a disease that can't be cured, you know what? You're not a highly miserable person because you know what? I wasn't made for you. I was made for you to worship God, glorify God, give Him pleasure, be part of the family. I was here to, to, to do good works and I'm here to reach the lost. But if I can't do that anymore, I know my purpose was I was made for eternity. And you know, it gives us hope, it gives us meaning, gives us a sense of belonging, gives us a sense of purpose every day when we wake up and we look forward to a new heavens and a new earth, and it helps us overcome COVID, it helps us overcome troubles and hardship and suffering. There is a better future for us. Paul, in writing to the church, says that the troubles we suffer now are nothing compared to the eternal glory that is waiting for us in Christ Jesus. Eternity makes now bearable. And so, as we come to a close today, you know, some believe there's no God, and it's their choice, but I'll tell you what, no God, no meaning, no purpose. Damage, emptiness, pursuit of pleasure leads nowhere. But when you know God, there's a fulfillment 
there's a joy, and you're not, you, you might not have it easy, but you're not highly miserable because you've got meaning in your life and you've got eternity to look forward to. As I close today, before I pray with us all, Miles Monroe said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but a life without a purpose. Isn't that the truth? And today, if you don't have a purpose at home, you've lost sight of purpose, maybe you've identified why you've lost sight of purpose, maybe it's that atheistic narrative that is pumped all the time and you've allowed it to wallow over you and that stopped you from passing it on to your children, it's time to renew the seven purposes of God in your life. If you don't know Jesus today and you're watching me online, I'd like to pray with you especially and lead you to Christ because Jesus came to die for your sins, to reconcile you to the Father and make you righteous. And no cause, no politics, no ideology, no activism can fill that gap. No wealth can fill it, only Jesus himself. So let's bow our heads in the room and online this morning. And let's just take a moment right now. You at home, maybe you're a Christian. and You've been as miserable as sin. And you don't know the reason why, but today you discovered I've lost sight of who I am. And I've also lost sight of why I am. And today, you know, if you're a believer, just lift your heart to God. Say, Lord, renew those seven purposes in me. Help me to wake up in the morning and glorify you, to honor your name, to make your name great, not to keep pushing myself, but to promote you, then everything will fit together. And as you healed as a Christian, God will renew your joy. But as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed right now, if you don't know Jesus, I want to pray with you at home especially and lead you to a knowledge of Christ as Lord. And you know, you can pray this prayer with me right now. Just follow me and repeat it after me. And everyone in the room is gonna repeat it as well. And, and if you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, pray like this. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I receive him today as the one who builds the bridge between me and God. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation that you give me as a gift. I receive it today. Lord Jesus, be the lamb over my life that I might receive your righteousness and become a child of God. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 